This was up around Heilbronn in Germany. In a farmer's field where a pilot had set down a CH-37B Sikorsky helicopter with an engine problem. Chunk of metal showed up on the chip detector plug. They flew me in to have a look at the screen as well. We decided to put an engine on it in the field. So after returning to base we took an engine that we had recently built up and drove to the helicopter. There were a few glitches, as the deuce and a half that was packing the engine was in an accident and one of the mounts was bent so we had to ship it back for another one. Lucky we had some ships in for maintenance at the time. So one day while out there working or waiting not sure which, this was 50 years ago, a small Bell OH-13 comes in and lands near the ship we are working on. Of course me being the senior NCO walk over to speak to the officer. However this guy is wearing a military flight jacket and no rank insignia. So he starts asking us what the problem is and how we are doing, but is very evasive when I ask him questions. After our short conversation he returns to his helicopter and takes off. When I return to talk to the rest of the gang they want to know why I didn't salute him. I said well he wasn't wearing any rank for one and I think I just A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Had a conversation with a spook, a CIA spook that is. Back when I was in the army stationed in Germany, I had the opportunity to live in a haunted German base in Stuttgart. This was during the Persian Gulf period and my company was in charge of hauling missiles in the area. I was a lowly private so whatever shit detail came up, it was assigned to yours truly. Lucky me, right? Anyway, the barracks we were staying at went three floors underground, and my job was to mop up the water at the very bottom. And if it couldn't get any worse than hanging out in a molding wet Nazi basement, the lights wouldn't work. So, there I was, moping in the dark when I had that, something is watching you and really, really, wants to do bad things to you. Yikes I said under my breath. Out of nowhere, I heard the sound of footsteps in the flooded basement, heading my way. Double yikes. I then turned on Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My flashlight and of course found nothing but creepy wet darkness. I was standing next to a bathroom during this real-life horror movie, when suddenly all of the showers turned on by themselves. Fees, I am out of here. As I was making my way up the stairs, I heard the boots of my first sergeant coming down while yelling my name, Private Harker. Where the hell do you think you're going? He was this giant black guy that was a ranger in his heyday, and when he wasn't screaming in your face, He would stare off into space as if he could hear the enemy approaching, so terrifying would be a good word to describe him. I have to take a piss, first sergeant. I responded. Don't give me that shit, private. God damn it. Why do I hear showers? Did you turn the showers on? Get your ass back down there and stop around. I swear private you are the most ate up creep I have ever met. Then he went silent and glanced off in the distance, which was my cay to slink away like a thief in the night. I never went back down to turn the showers off. That night, I was awoken with the sense of dread around me. When I opened my eyes, I was surrounded by dark shadows that again put off this vibe that said, if we could, we would totally kill you. So, just like every other macho American killing machine, I hid under my covers. Whatever slash whoever these dark spirits were, they lost interest and went away, I'm a pretty sure I heard a pussy, in German of course, as they disappeared into the abyss. About a week after that, we were sent back to our headquarters in Mannheim and I was able to enjoy my military experience like every other crazy person I was stationed with, and if you spent some time in Germany, this means beer and whores. 
About six years before I got to my first ship, the ship's internal rover watch walked into the second deck berthing compartment lounge, drew his weapon, and shot himself through the roof of his mouth. There were lots of rumors about the berthing compartment being haunted, lots of weird temperature shifts, and it always felt like someone was staring at you in that lounge, which was the lounge for my berthing. One day, I'm using the computer and I noticed the safety tag on the computer monitor was rocking back and forth. I'm alone in the berthing, it's late. And the AC was not on. The tag rocked for 20 minutes solid. Then it just stopped. Like, on a dime. No dampening oscillation, just done. At my second boot camp, the barracks were haunted by a slightly more active and honestly kinda pervy ghost. The kid had been one of those kids who decided he couldn't hack it and instead of asking for help, he went UA. From basic. Well, Tross and Cape May has some dicey currents, and the kid washed up on the jetty the next morning. The hall that we stayed in was Monroe Hall, and he was all up in that piece. Strange things would happen, but most people didn't really notice them, through the misery of basic training. Most of the recruits had to get their smallpox vaccine. I was deferred due to eczema. Smallpox vaccines cause some very disgusting things. That's a different story. Power would go fritzy. Sometimes your blanket would get jerked off of you. Women showering in Monroe would frequently have the curtains flung open by absolutely nobody. It was freaky stuff. During the field training portion of Marine Combat Training, MCT, on the West Coast, we hiked from the main area to a place known as Range 314 to do all of our patrolling and combat marksmanship training. The area has been used for a very long time and there were numerous paranormal stories emerging from the range. The first one was about how back in the early 2000s, there was allegedly a Marine who committed suicide by loading his rifle, walking into a porta potty at the range, then shot himself inside. He literally had a crappy grave as rumor has it that was that the porta potty was simply wrapped up, then transported away instead of removing his body out of fear of traumatizing the Marines still training out there. His ghost is reported by the Firewatch to be walking near the site of where he committed suicide. In addition, Firewatches have reported that there was a lone figure of a Marine with Vietnam War era gear walking on the target range itself in the dead of night when training is not in session. As far as everyone knows, the scout snipers and recon Marines did not train in the same area, who are known to use unconventional gear that looked older than what we typically used at the time. Back to my personal experience, one night, I was scheduled to have firewatch with a friend between the hours of 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. We geared up for our one-hour watch. One usually heads outside to stand post next to a steel container that served as the armory while one was to stand guard in the little Quonset hut we were staying in. For some reason that night, I felt a weird intuition to not leave my friend alone next to the steel container. After about 15 minutes, I took it upon myself to walk to the steel container where I noticed my buddy looking terrified. Curious, I went up to him to see what the problem was. We then both heard creaking sounds from what was supposedly a soundproof container, both curious then terrified, 
wondering who could have made their way into the armory without us noticing. This container was padlocked, and had no holes in there for animals to crawl in. My friend had strong intuition when it came to paranormal matters, and this situation was starting to freak him out. The noises within the container stopped, only for the noises to begin outside near where we were standing. With the exception of the two of us standing outside, everyone was fast asleep. Yet here we were, both alone in the mix of Quonset huts, hearing scratching sounds that were originating somewhere in the night. This was compounded by some wind-like and kicking sounds that was creeping closer to us, with rocks that were being discreetly thrown at us by something, somewhere that we could not see. This was in no way a prank by our combat instructors. We knew that coyotes were in the area and can distinguish them from their howling sounds but these sounds were not from the animals we were told about. I then found myself reciting the St. Michael prayer, falling back to a prayer that was taught by my parents when I found myself in a spiritually dangerous situation. My friend heard my whispering then asked if he could pray along too. I taught him line by line, as the hour crept by, and we kept hearing these abnormal sounds. We were scared to the point where we were attempting to rush the incoming fire watch to replace us. It felt like an eternity waiting for our relief. I was beginning to get pissed by that fact then proceeded to throw a rock at the hut. One of the replacements comes out, annoyed by the fact that I had done just that, asking I didn't do it again then disappeared back into the hut. Even more aggravated, I picked up another rock to throw at the hut once more. I threw completely missing when my friend and I both heard this unhuman screeching sound, followed by flapping noises. According to my friend, the look on my face went from being sun-tanned to deathly pale, complemented with the most terrified look on my face. I could say the same for him, since he saw the source of the noise itself, saying that it was in no way an owl, but like some dark unhuman-like flying shadow. By 3 AM, the noises slightly faded, but we decided to stay on the next watch with the incoming replacements, somehow mustering the courage and the logic that there would be less paranormal activity if we increased the number of Marines on Firewatch. Nothing really came of it the first half hour, but then we all collectively heard the hooks on a flagpole tapping. This was followed by a tin can that was rolling somewhere near where we were standing. What made it even creepier was that there was no wind whatsoever that night, leaving no explanation for those noises. We all eventually were replaced after that hour, but the experience stuck with us. Late Fall, 1982, and I'm a newbie to my new unit, Subic Bay, Republic of the Philippines. I'm from Michigan. I say that only to emphasize that basically I couldn't be much further from home unless I went to the moon. Anyway, on one of my first trips off base into town, Olongapo, known as Sin City for good reason, passing yet another bar, I notice an interesting gentleman tucked in a corner doing what I correctly guessed as some kind of reading on another individual. I wanted to scope it out for fun, figuring that at best it's probably just another carnival guess your weight kind of thing where right or wrong, you both get a chuckle and he ends up with a few of my pesos. Boy. Was I wrong? Let me set the scene. Crowded bar, we get a beer, and sit down waiting for this guy to get done doing his thing with, 
2. A woman who we learn is a fairly high-ranking squid. Now, here's the deal about this guy. First of all, he's a Sikh, so he's wearing a turban, which is a pretty dirty whitish linen that perfectly matches his suit. It looked like he had just walked a hundred mile dirt road to get there. His eyes are blood red and frequently roll back as he holds the squid's hand. His tongue is also blood red, a dead giveaway for people chewing beetle nut, never tried it, but it gives you a coke buzz if you chew a little. This guy was tripping balls on fistfuls. Suddenly the woman lets out a loud gasp, turns while standing up, and shoots me a scared look as she ran by that makes me think that this could be good, whatever it is. I sit down across from this gentleman, and just like that he seems to come to complete sobriety and lucidity and explains to me that for 5 pesos, about 0.50 cents at the time, he will share with me what he sees, stop, and then I decide if I want to pay him more. At this point, after the freaked out squid and the guy's seemingly miraculous ability to unf himself and get down to business, I'm really intrigued. Intrigued, and maybe a little nervous. So I give the guy five, and he puts it in his side pocket and in the same motion takes more betel nut out, pops it in his mouth, and begins to slowly chew. His blood red eyes are now staring right at me, and he takes my hand. Just as I begin thinking that this might be as good as it gets with this guy, his eyes start rolling back, and I can tell that he's definitely in a trance of some kind, and he kind of rhythmically begins squeezing my hand. Then he started to talk. First he mumbled something about me being far from home. Well, no shit. Then he said something about how very alone I was there, and how very alone my parents were, way back in Michigan. In hindsight I've always thought the odd emphasis on very could have been because I'm an only kid of two only kids who were immigrants, but still nothing to write home about. Then, he zeroed in on my mom. He mentioned depression. Check. He mentioned family trauma. Check. He mentioned my dad's concern for my mom's well-being, and while that would normally be worth a duh, I could feel that he was going somewhere with this. Then he said my grandmother's long ago suicide was currently causing my parents distress. Then he stopped. So did I. It shook me, no doubt. There was no earthly way a stone seek in a bar in the pie could possibly know anything about a guy from me that had just gotten there, let alone that his grandma had killed herself some 12 years earlier. No way. That, and it wasn't a guess. A guess might be made about what color my car is, or something, and he might get it right. Not this guy. He knew things. He could see things. You don't throw out suicide as a guess about someone's family. I'm not sure exactly what it is that happened to me that day, but I learned one thing. I believe. I was a cadet at West Point in 1972 when cadets living on the first floor of a section of the barracks called the 47th Division facing the Old North area reported visits by a ghostly emanation in their room. The story made national papers and news magazines at the time. Photography was a passion of mine, and there was a very nice photo lab available to cadets at the hobby and craft shop on post. A friend told me about two plebes, freshmen, 
who had found some odd images in a photo taken at night in a fluorescent lighted room on the sixth floor of Eisenhower Barracks, one of the newer residence buildings, and he asked me to see if I could make a good quality enlargement. I was able to get good enough quality from the 35mm negative to determine the image was, probably, a reflection from exterior lights distorted by wavy imperfections in the glass, but I can't deny the hairs on the back of my neck stood up as the image began to emerge in the developer tray in that darkroom. In 1997, I was a part of a joint task force chasing a group of narcotic smugglers in the high-altitude mountainous area located between Kyrgyzstan, China, and Tajikistan. There were eight of us, from several post-Soviet countries and representing frontier, counter-intel and fast deployment. All were aged 25 to 38 with quite solid luggage of experience. The group leader was a veteran from a Muslim battalion, special forces that attacked the residents of the leader of Afghanistan Hafizullah Amin and took it, eliminating Amin and putting the start to the Soviet invasion. Atheists, materialists and cynics, if I may mention that to characterize the ideological background of the force. In brief, we had quite an enduring, burdensome and lengthy chase mapped up for us. Through several mountain passes and along those countless convoluted trails. On the second day, we reached the last inhabited spot, where we had a tea with a local Uzbek peasant, some 65 years of age. He told us, that the night before our arrival he observed a group of armed men hurrying towards China-Tajik borderline, which was a couple mountain passes and several valleys away. Chances we would catch up and engage them were minimal, but we chose to give it a go. The old Uzbek who spoke Russian, for some reason switched over to the Uzbek language and addressed myself. I am a Kazakh speaker, for whom understanding Uzbek is quite easy. He clutched my arm and looked me in the eyes and said, do not go past mirrors, you may regret it. Of course I will, Ada, Grandpa. By the time I make it to the mirrors, I will have lost all my gloss. I told the old man with laughter, gave him a hug and we departed. Mirrors turned out to be a mountain, the surface of which shined in the light of the sun going to sleep. We bypassed it along its foothill and arranged a camp where we spent the night. In the morning we resumed our chase and we went up a mountain rim to take a walk along another mountain pass, right behind mirrors. In the mountains he who is on top always has tactical advantage, so we were basically taking a walk on the mountain rim with some of us looking down into the mountain pass. Inner sense was prompting that we were either in an alien territory already, or were just about to approach it. Then, the group leader suddenly stopped. And he said, Goose, on me. Yeah, what's up, man? Look there. There I saw walls, towers and gates. Very ancient, very solid looking, totally abandoned. I want you to go down there and look around. Here I have to step back and explain why the leader deployed myself and why solo. I was the only one in the group who was not married, did not have children and did not have a lady awaiting my return. And out of all of us I was probably the best to find booby traps and material evidences of the enemy presence. I went. 
I descended into the mountain pass and began my solo and very slowly advanced towards what obviously was an ancient town built by unknown civilization at high altitude. I was looking out for booby traps, when a fresh wind swept away some sand from land in front of me, and I saw stone block pavement. Something that looked like the roads that Romans used to build, the picture of which I saw in a history textbook, while being a pupil. So, I approached the gates a little closer and found myself a cozy observation spot. The city walls were built of heavy blocks. A part of the wall collapsed. I could not tell whether those were ancient catapults or simply the seismic activity, which in that part of the world is quite volatile. And there were pictures of animals on those walls. And statues. Bulls. Something began to itch inside my head muscle. Some recollection that could not break through. Those bulls. Where the bloody hell could I have seen those characteristic statues of bulls? I bet, many of those reading already know the answer. I wish I was that smart that day. Two more guys joined me and we arranged ourselves an MG nest. With my mission done for that day, I chose to take a nap, while some of the lads proceeded brushing the area. We lost the smugglers. We returned back to the old Uzbek and called in a chopper. After that chase, I did have other trips to that area, but not into that particular district. And actually those smugglers' choice of the retreat route was odd, for it was and still is a totally abandoned country. Years after that, when I became a married man, my spouse pulled me out to the History Museum in Almaty. And there I saw those bulls. Again those characteristic statues of bulls. Sumerian totem animals. I had a twisted feeling, on one side that itching in my head muscle ceased to itch. On the other side, Sumerian civilization was found thousands of kilometers away from the battlefields of my younger years. Was it paranormal or supernatural? I do not know. One of acquaintance of mine who graduated from a history faculty told me once, that Sumerians, in their famous clay tablets, wrote that they came from a country with mountains and a lot of rivers. Mountains of Central Asia fit that description 100%. This is it. Just once and that was enough for me, especially as I don't believe in the paranormal or supernatural and still don't but this was just, weird. It was during the last few Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Years of the Angolan Civil War, 
I was an artillery gunner by trade but had tired of the other team taking potshots at me with their AKs and mortars so had landed a cushy job as a radar and radio operator in the Caprivi Strip, Namibia. This is the G5 I was trained on, rather loud but otherwise impressive cannon. Our platoon of 12, a lieutenant, NCO and 10 gunners were guarding a base that was designed for 500 troops but fighting had shifted further west, where we had just come from, and the base was practically empty. It was a new base, the old one was about 300 feet, 100 meters, away but had been destroyed in a mortar and rocket attack a year or two back, killing a few of our lads in the process. The base was about 500 feet, 150 meters, in circumference and consisted of a large sand wall topped with sandbags, barbed wire etc. The sand wall was built over a thick corrugated iron semicircle pipe so you could walk through the walls relieving guards or delivering ammo. In the center of the camp you had the kitchen, mess hall, bar, radar tower and a radio room also in a corrugated iron bunker. In the middle of this bunker was the radio station. On the one side was the lieutenant's quarters and on the other side was the exit. It was about 8 feet, 2.5 meters, across at the base, curved ceiling so you can only walk upright in the middle and about 60 feet long, 20 meters. The radio station consisted of a single desk with all the radio's controls, wires etc. neatly draped over it, set to one side of the bunker in the middle between the lieutenant and the exit. I had the midnight to 6 a.m. shift, as usual it was quiet, the generator was off, radio running on battery power and I had a few candles going from which to see. Every hour we would check in with other bases, sometimes listen in to the Cubans chattering away and otherwise read books or magazines. I had adopted a black kitten who was asleep on my lap and the base dog, a chubby mutt was at my feet. The kitten was wild when I found it and was totally fearless, the dog I am sure had been abused in the past as he was timid and not used to being treated kindly but we had got attached and both animals followed me everywhere. It was about 2 am I was happily reading away, when the cat shot awake and dug its claws into me, a second later the dog is awake and standing up. It was only then when I heard the sound of boots walking slowly down the bunker from the exit. With candlelight I could not see the end of the bunker but I could see about 20 feet each way and easily see the other side of the bunker wall. So I waited to see which of my gunners could not sleep and had decided to pop in and say hi. The cat starts hissing and backs into my shirt, the footsteps continue but I still can't see anyone. The dog whom I have never heard make any noise besides a whimper suddenly growls and all the hair stands up on his back as he backs into the wall next to me. I am now a little nervous but not sure why as I am not a jumpy person, I get goosebumps and all my hair stands on end and the sound of the boots keep coming closer and closer, I should be able to see the person but I can't. Then all three of us, cat, dog and I start shaking as the boots walk right in front of us, hesitate for barely a second and continue walking past us. But there is no one there. Our three heads are all staring at the same place at the sound of the boots where someone should be, but is not. Still shaking and holding the cat, in my shirt, I walk down the bunker, after the footsteps, and there is no one there, the lieutenant is happily snoring away and his door is firmly closed. No other exit without going into the lieutenant's quarters. 
I turn around and nearly wet myself as I trip over the dog who was right on my heels. The three of us go back grab the radio and candles and head back to the bunk rooms to stand the rest of my duty with the comparative safety of the other sleeping gunners. The next day others admitted that they had heard people walking about but assumed it was their hearing or possibly the monkeys and they were probably mistaken. What it was, I don't know as I don't believe in ghosts but those boots very clearly and loudly walked straight past me down the bunker and there was no one there beside a cat with its claws embedded in my flesh and a timid dog that growled while all our hair stood on end. My dad was in the military. He is probably the most practical person I've ever known. He doesn't believe in ghosts and paranormal activities, but one day all that strong belief of disbelief of such things had disappeared. I'll try and keep it as short as possible, but please read it till the end. The batch my dad was in was quite an interesting one. Mostly everyone in it were joyful souls who would crack a joke or two, have a good time in the military basically. So this night they had some information passed on through the radio operator which he had received on the radio that there is a part of this abandoned town where they were deployed where they had to go and inspect the area up because some suspicious activities were noticed there like light bulbs of the street lights bursting and empty cartoons on the roadside being moved automatically as if they were kicked by someone but there would be no one in the camera footage. Knowing my dad, I knew that he would have at no cost had denied to not go. So a team of eight men was deployed and they were off on their feet to this certain area of the abandoned town where they had to inspect. It was only a couple kilometers away. They reached this place where there was a main road and by the main road there were abandoned buildings where no one was living and they had been evacuated months ago. On the whole road you could only see two to three street lights in distance to each other. There were like 12 to 14 buildings they had to search. They started inspecting the area thoroughly, serious and attentive in their work. So basically, the eight men were divided into four pairs of two. My dad and his mate entered this building which just didn't feel right to be entered, you just get this gut feeling from the inside when there is presence of something paranormal. They started inspecting the ground floor with each having a flashlight in their hand and having a rifle hung by their shoulder. Ground floor was cleared, nothing unusual, they moved on to the first floor. Inspected it, nothing new, moved to second floor, again nothing special, walked upstairs to the third floor which was the last floor. On the third floor, it was kinda like a living room, there was a chair, a ripped old sofa kind of furniture, a full wall mounted cupboard and all. There they were searching the room with the flashlights on, it was only them two in the room and all of a sudden a note, a piece of paper slid out of this door. There was literally no wind. This paper didn't seem like an old paper, it was like a new, freshly torn paper out of a clean notebook. As the note slid out, both my father and his mate were looking at each other's face. Now my father was a stone-hearted man and his mate was let's just say not so brave. My father didn't believe all this shit, he was practical and aimed his gun towards the door. He picked the note up and it was in some language he didn't understand, he put the note in his pocket and slowly advanced towards the door. As this was happening, 
My dad's mate had informed the other two soldiers who were standing outside the building guarding the place and informed them to come up. My dad opened the door and found out that the note had come out of a closet. He stood there like a statue for a solid five seconds. He still didn't believe it and kicked the wall behind but it was solid and there wasn't any passage. After that, much happened, they informed their camp about this incident immediately and they were called off the place at that time. The note was handed over to a lab team and it said that it was sent somewhere for investigation about what language it was and what was written on it. My dad still doesn't believe in ghosts but what he experienced there was something heart-stopping he says himself. I literally had goosebumps all over my body while he was telling me about this incident. Fifty years ago I was stationed at Tinker Air Force Base, Oklahoma. I had driven back to the base and parked my car and got out to go to airman's housing. I got a really strong feeling that I needed to get back in my car and get on the interstate, which went right past the base, and drive to the east. I felt a bit foolish, but got back in the car and drove for a few miles. It was not warm outside, but not hot either and the sun had set. I noticed a star on the left side of the highway, close to the horizon but did not think much about it until a few miles later it was on the right side of the highway. The interstate is fairly straight and I thought that was odd. Eventually, I realized that this was not a star, but a very bright light that was like a sealed beam and appeared to be illuminating to the west in my direction. It was similar to a landing light aircraft use, but only the one light. As I came closer, it appeared to be only a few hundred feet from the highway and perhaps a hundred feet high, as if it was on a fixed tower. But I could not see anything supporting the light. There was no movement and I rolled my window down on the driver's side, opposite to the side of the vehicle the light was on, and could hear no sound but there were vehicles very close to me and they could have masked some noises, but not the noise from a helicopter or aircraft. I decided to turn around at the next off-ramp, and come back to see what this was. I was pretty sure it had to be supported by some kind of tower. A few miles later, I was able to go back toward the base, but there was no light to be seen. This bothered me a bit and when I got back to the base I got up the courage to call flight operations and asked if there were any low-flying helicopters or other aircraft a few miles to the east of the base along the interstate. I mentioned the light but I did not want to identify myself as I held a security clearance at the time. The flight personnel indicated that not only was there no aircraft in that area, but they had no activity for several hours for any aircraft near the base. I drove back over that part of the interstate a few days later before sunset, but did not find any tower, so I had to be something else. But I honestly cannot figure out what it could have been and to this day it still makes me wonder what I saw. In 2006, I was with the 31st Mayu in Okinawa. They had just built a new headquarters building and were going to be moving into it the next week. I was the duty clerk at the old building that night. This building was a long rectangle with the entrance midway down one of the long sides. Right in front of the entrance, there was a desk for the duty clerk facing the door and a couch to the left of the desk, right of the marine sitting at the desk, 
and a hall going right and left leading to the offices so the clerk could lean back in their chair and see the whole length of the building. And there's a fence around the whole building with only one gate right in front that is inside of the duty clerk desk. Yes, the layout is important. Anyway, the day goes by, I'm answering the phone, checking people into the building, normal stuff. 1630 arrives and everyone starts heading home. Around 2200, the SNCO and duty driver went to get some sleep. Another hour or so passed and all was quiet. Around 2300-ish, I heard footsteps down the hall to my left. I leaned back but saw nothing. Figuring it was the Mayu Sergeant Major, who had been living in his office due to a big fight with his wife, heading to the head, I just shrugged it off. Then I heard the footsteps to my right. I knew there was only four people in that building, two sleeping in little rooms right by my desk, the SGT my on the other end of the building, and myself. I kept hearing the steps, first on one side, then on the other. I started getting creeped out, so I stepped right outside the door to have a cigarette. During normal business hours, the smoke pit was behind the building, but since I had to be able to hear the phone, I had to stay right there. Right as I light my cigarette, I see two figures come around the side of the building, outside the fence. Startled me, but it was only two of the camp guard, one of whom was my buddy, doing their rounds. I told them about the footsteps and they did a check of the other entrances to the building to make sure they were secured for me, remember, I couldn't leave the desk area, and then hung out for a few minutes chatting. As they were leaving, the one I hadn't met before joked if you hear the footsteps again, ask the ghost to keep you company because maybe he's bored, too. About 10 minutes after they left, I heard the footsteps again to my left. I called down the hall, if you're just going to walk around, come over here and hang out for a bit. I'm bored out of my mind. I kid you not, the footsteps passed behind me and went to the couch I mentioned before stopping and an indent appeared on the couch cushion like someone had just sat down. Figuring I'd make the best of this weird situation, I said, well, thank you. And how are you this beautiful night? No response, but after about half an hour, the indentation disappeared and I didn't hear the footsteps again that night. I never did duty at that building again. The next day they began moving the contents of the offices over to the new building, which had its own stories to tell, most notably hearing voices on the intercom after everyone left for the night. It was not pleasant to be doing the hourly walkthrough and suddenly hear a voice I knew was not the SNCO on duty coming from the intercom. At first I thought it was a wireless transmission from a radio or something, but the system was not set up to receive wireless transmissions. It was an entirely wire-based system. The worst was the night I was in the duty office and heard I need help here, he's dying. Coming from one of the offices. We didn't have a way to tell which office a transmission came from, if someone needed something they had to identify who they were, so I ran to do a check of every office on every floor. There was no one in the building. Sergeant Major had moved into the base motel. USS New Orleans, LPH-11. The ship had been around long enough to actually serve during the Vietnam War, 
helping to bring supplies and helicopters over for use in the fighting. Of course that meant to a lot of people who rather not go as well. While running around below decks, and I'm talking near the bottom where many of the holds and storage spaces are, I made a turn and corner of the eye, caught the sight of someone hanging. A dead-on look though, nope, nothing there. But apparently there was a marine during wartime that didn't want to go to Vietnam and hung himself, his body wasn't found for a few days. Could it have been that same marine? Hell if I know. But I did know I really didn't want to go into that space again. Maybe now he can rest knowing that the ship will never sail into a war zone again, having been decommissioned and sunk as a target in RIMPAC. My mom's friend who served in TNI did during one of his deployments. He was sent to North Andalus, North Sumatra, in response to the GAM insurrection as a part of reconnaissance force, and so he and his teammates spent quite a lot of time in the jungle. One night, they all decided to take a rest under a big old tree in the jungle and posted a guard shift duty as usual. My mom's friend's guard shift was the second shift that night, meaning he had to keep watch from sometime around 2 a.m. till morning. He said that on that particular night, he felt as if something in the jungle was circling around them, watching them even though there was no sound. He didn't really mind it, but it did made him alert throughout the time. The surprise came in the morning, when his teammates couldn't find their weapons when they woke up. My mom's friend swore he was awake during his entire shift, and so nothing got past him. Finally, when one of them looked up to the tree, they found their firearms hanging on the branches. For a moment all of them were stumped and be like how the hell did they get up there? Even if someone managed to slip past my mom's friend, they would have caused quite a ruckus taking all the rifles, climbing up the tree and hanging them on the branches. Yet even till now whenever he had to retell the story, he always said that he didn't hear anything at all during his shift. Some of them initially thought that maybe the rifles were taken by someone during the first shift, which means his teammate who took the first shift screwed up and someone managed to sneak past him. However, considering that my mom's friend didn't have his rifle taken and hung on the branches, not to mention the first shift guy was also awake throughout his shift, that's very unlikely. In the end they just blamed it on the jungle spirits, climbed up, took down all the hanging rifles and carried on. It was during 1990s Yugoslavia breakup civil war. Bridge over river between two towns. Late spring. Night before dawn. Few soldiers awaiting transport further. Just sitting beside bridge fence on one side. Next to us there is an security checkpoint, just a few soldiers and one wooden makeshift kiosk for shelter, sandbags around, and ramp across the road silent and bit cold stream of air from the river pitch black cloudy night sometime before 5 a.m as dawn is not breaking yet we all see a silhouette of someone approaching the bridge on foot walking slowly along the edge of the road straight up no lurking no signs of danger so we do not get so excited when person got closer we could see by its size and walks that it is a woman seconds later we all get instinctively alerted as we realize that the woman is holding rather long, 
thin box under her arm. It was not so uncommon that someone in civilian clothes approach military post with makeshift explosive device and detonated killing everybody around. Guys at outpost put hands on their guns, rather nervous, looking sharp towards her. We are still sitting, but I can tell you we all instinctively looking for nearest cover. Woman is so close now, we can see her clearly. She is in her middle ages, dressed as town woman, no scarf around her head, etc. The box she is holding is rather big, like oversized box of chocolate. Guards at outpost were just about to halt her, when our attention got diverted to vehicle approaching the bridge. The vehicle stopped in front of ramp as it is supposed to for control. It is a military transport vehicle, made with two soldiers in front cabin, and closed cargo space behind. It has no special markings that would tell us anything about its cargo. At that moment, woman speeds up her pace, and she is fast approaching the vehicle directly. Our alertness goes rocket high, but before we could do anything, woman is just next to the driver's door addressing to diver, young man in his less than 20 years, Sonny, can I ask you something? The driver responds automatically yes lady. And in that moment woman starts to cry. She is sobering, shrugging her shoulder all shaking, tears streaming. She says no word. Now it goes on like this for I don't know one, two comma five maybe ten minutes. We are all stunned, like paralyzed, doing nothing, just looking at the woman crying her eyes out. As time goes by, she starts talking, slowly, in silent voice, in between shrugs. She was a medical doctor by education living in town on one side of this bridge all her life. During her education she learned that human body is just flesh, and when the body is dead it is the end. And she accepted that. She married after university, and she had a daughter. Her husband and daughter died in a car crash long before war. Her daughter was like preschool age when it happened. She was devastated, and she committed her whole life to her work. Then war came, she did double shifts in hospital, etc. Then, she said, one night like 10 days ago, her daughter visited her in her dream for the first time. Now she is a big girl of her early 20s, all beautiful. And she said, mom, I am so happy, I want to share my happiness with you. I met a man of my dreams and I am getting married. Woman is so distressed after this dream so, she takes in day off on sick leave. But, Dreams continue. Every next night, daughter is visiting her in dream and discussing wedding plans with mother. One night, few nights ago, she and her daughter went over the bridge to other town, rather smaller than one she was living in, and in some shop daughter sees a wedding dress in a window, so two of them go in, daughter tries the dress, etc., etc. In one moment, daughter said, this is the right one. I want you to buy this dress for me for my wedding. They are both so jar coincidence She suddenly heard a voice shouting her name, Spresa. Hope, get down. Again, Spresa, got it. Our nation is to see and the Holy Ghost was with me.